0: pull the voice of mercy on overwatch your personal guardian angel my observations indicate you have a fever and the only prescription is more joygasm a video game and movie podcast with russ and steve heroes never die you are listening to joygasm video game and movie podcast i'm russ xbox live toaster 360 he's steve xbox live Mitch. and you are tuning in to episode 122 today may 17th 2019 we have a fun show planned for you today. We are going to be focusing on the review of John Wick Chapter 3, which we just got out of the theater seeing. We can't wait to be able to get into the details of that particular film, which of course you could fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located below. But as for right now, Steve, how has your week been? Well, it's been a long week a it's long week been a long week to say the slightest the slightest no I've been uh, dealing with uh, with mucus and snot Mm-hmm. I've um, been trying to avoid that as much as I can on the show but uh, I'm sure that's freaking fabulous for everyone to listen to uh, <laughs> Could have try and uh, keep that under control but um yeah no so uh, yeah no, this week's been it, it's been a long week Ross It's been a long week it has. I understand. No, I mean, it's, it's, so the parentals flew in, uh, full disclosure, our grandmother passed away. And so we have been, um, just planning for the funeral. We had the funeral. Of course, it was very lovely, that sort of thing. And so, um, but of course with family comes viruses. And so, It's, it's one of those things where you, you, you know, you keep the love circulating within the family and you share all things. I mean, you share food, you yeah. share hugs, you share love, and you share whatever kind of airborne uh, entities that uh, you've decided to pack along in your overhead bins. So uh, we, we're all kind of going through. Luckily, though, it's not a bad sickness. It's just one of those annoying ones. It's annoying. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, we all have it. Probably. Probably. (laughs) Of course, though, it is a nice little bonus for you, though, because your fiance uh, actually came into town. Uh, Of course, I'm sure that that you wish it was under more uh, joyful circumstances, but still, it's just nice to be able to have some quality time, right? It sure is. You know, when I get sick, though, I I get it bad, Russ. Just like Usher says, I got it. I got it bad. So, yeah, no, you probably don't listen to that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but when I get him, I—I I mean, I—it's—it's it's terrible. I—I I can avoid it very well until it hits me, and then I—it's—it's it's, uh, goes south. Sure, it just goes south, Russ. So it's the way, unfortunately, happens. Try and dodge yeah. the bullets, and, and uh eventually it will <laughs> find you and uh, penetrate you. You can only matrix it for so long. That's right. Before the virus is right next to you and says, Dodge this. You're yeah. like, oh, great. So did you play anything this week? No. Um, actually I did not. I watched some stuff. Oh. Did I tell you I finished up season five of twenty four? Forgot if I told you that. I don't you know, I I know you've been watching it, but I don't remember where you left off. I finished up with season five. Mailed that back. So now I can I can get to bed without having a adrenaline rush oh, anymore. Hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, it was always weird that you decided to watch it before you would go to bed. Like, I would think you should watch it in the morning to help get your day started. Uh, I like dreaming about uh, <laughs> being, being with the, uh, the, the terror task force. Yeah, you have a poster of Jack Bauer on your ceiling, so you look at him before you go to sleep, and, and you get to wake up to him. Yeah. Thanks for looking out for me, Jack. Thanks for for looking out for me, shirtless Jack Bauer, my ceiling. Anyway, (laughs) so (laughs) other than that, I watched uh, Molly's Game. I don't think I've ever heard of that. They were advertising that a few years ago. So she was running this private poker game all by herself. And uh, she was basically making no money with it except for what people would tip her. And making loot. So she was making all the money underneath the table, but she didn't really have to claim taxes on it, I guess, because it was all tips in the form of poker chips. Okay. So she got she, she made like a ton of money, but uh, eventually the wrong people got involved and, you know, whatever one. What, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. But uh, interesting story. She was a very uh, smart woman. And so this was on Netflix or? I got it from Netflix, yes. I've never heard of this. How old is this thing? I, I, can, I can check. It's, it's it's not that old. I mean, I remember watching previews for it in theater. Okay. But uh, anyhow. So I watched that and then uh, the Fiancé. And I watched Fallen with Michael Douglas. That's an old one. That came out a while ago. That fall, Okay, so I'm thinking of one called Falling Down, but, but that's not what you're talking Actually, about. Actually, you know what? I think that is it is called falling down. Okay, it, it's like it's like a guy who like just snaps. Yeah, he just and, snaps. Exactly. Yeah, that's falling right. down. Falling down. Yeah, that's right. I don't know falling. Uh, I think actually I saw something else called Fallen. I was mixing. I'm mixing down my trips and stumbles. So anyhow, yeah, no, I've always wanted to watch it. I've only I've seen a couple scenes out of it, and I never watched the full thing. So I finally got it, watched it all the way through, and uh, it, there's Robert Duvall's in it too. I forgot he was in it. Okay. Very good-looking bald man, by the way, mm. Russ. Anyhow, uh, good movie. I enjoyed it. It wasn't got crazy good, but uh, it gets pretty intense, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. And there's at the we we watched some of the some of the uh, the interviews with uh, what's what his name, Michael Douglas. Thank you for answering, <laughs> Russ. Thank you, Michael Douglas. Wait, at the end of the movie. There some interviews with him and and his. Age he's at now, reflecting back on the character, uh, so just interesting with time that has passed and history history events that have gone mm-hmm. by. they he's reflecting on that too, and how that this movie is seen today versus how it was seen back then. And so, anyway, it was kind of cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 What about you, what have I been doing? You know, I have been really busy. Um, just just putting together that slideshow video for our grandmother's funeral. Um, so that that ate up a lot of my time. I did manage, however, to play some Sonic, and I was really pleased about this. My daughter was wanting to to play some games. She was in the mood to play something, but but she wasn't really feeling the typical games that we play, like Peggle and um, Rayman, and just just the the, the Doom, usual, right? Yeah, yeah, Doom. Yeah, exactly. Um, quick. so I was thinking to myself, I was like, okay, what other games that I have that is you know, it's appropriate for a four year old. And I remembered how I have Sonic Generations for the Xbox 360. And so, one of the things that I was thinking about with it was like, okay, I remember the last time I tried to play this, um, on the Xbox One, it wasn't letting me actually go through with it because it wasn't added to the com- uh, compatibility list, if you recall. Microsoft has this like Xbox 360 compatibility list where every month they will announce a few more titles that they right. add and, and so on and so forth. So for the longest time, um, it just wasn't being added. I had even requested because they have a little form you can fill out and that sort of thing. And so I was had actually contacted them um, on a couple of occasions just saying, hey, Uh, There's this great game, Sonic Generations. You guys should really consider putting this on. And so just on a whim, I just decided to plop it in and see what happens. And sure enough, the game has now been added to that compatibility list. So went ahead and installed it. And um, the only bummer is is I was close to beating that game on the Xbox 360. However, the save didn't carry over (laughs) to the Xbox One, which is not necessarily a bad thing because the game is a lot of fun to play. And so being able to just start over from scratch, it's like, okay, well, I haven't played this game in years anyway. It'd be nice to be able to get a refresher on this stuff. And plus, my daughter wants to check it out. She loves that game. It is so fun having her sit next to me on the couch and we're just blasting through Green Hill Zone or the Chemical Plant Zone. And the interesting thing about Sonic Generations is that it does the whole time travel idea where... You have Sonic from like the early 90s meet Sonic from like the 2000s. And then as a result, like they've come up with a new approach at the time anyway, where typically speaking, when you're playing through a level of Sonic, it's like they'll have like two or three acts of one zone. And so they've changed it in this game where you can pick between which Sonic you want to play as. And one of them will take care of um, like act one. And then the other Sonic will take care of Act 2. And then sometimes you'll have some other little like bonus levels or whatever. But it's just great because the Sonic from the early 90s is more of a 2D, 2.5D experience. Whereas the Sonic from the 2000s is much more of a 3D experience. And so they they were actually pretty successful in meshing these two um, play experiences together. And of course, now she wants to play Sonic all the time. So I introduced her to Sonic Mania, which of course came out recently, and and so she's starting to get used to the idea of running really fast and that sort of thing. So overall, it's it's just a dandy old time, Steve. <laughs> I bet the mini music was uh, was very prevalent in this room. Yes, actually, what was it's funny that you bring up the music because in Sonic Generations they have this room. I think they call it the collector's room, but they have a really snappy song that goes to it. And and actually, I really enjoy doing it, but it drives my daughter insane because she just wants to see me play the game. And instead, I just run into the room and I start dancing on the couch. And she's like, no, and she's trying to wrestle the the controller away from me and get me to get back to one of the levels. So yeah, it's all in good daddy-daughter time. Alright, it's time for the Topic of the Day! Broke the rules. I trust you understand the repercussions if he survives. John Wick, excommunicado, is now in effect. You shouldn't be here. Nice suit. Good to see you too. I need your help. After this. We are less than even. There's no escape for you. The high table wants your life. Would you help set the move for our new guest? Let us begin. Our service is still off limits to me. What do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. You think you can take John Wick? You've got a nasty surprise coming. I've been looking forward to meeting you for a long time. So far, you haven't disappointed. We can keep this up as long as you'd like. But this only ends one way. All of this for what? Because of a puppy? Wasn't just a puppy. John Wick, Chapter Three, Parabellum. Steve, what are your high level thoughts on this? Well, Ross, there's all kinds of kick buttery. Indeed! That make you feel snazzy and wazzy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) The <laughs> way he broke that guy's arm makes me ah. feel all kinds of tinglies. You know, he's still got it. You know, there's a video. Remember that video that uh that Keanu where he's at that training yard shooting a bunch of stuff, like they're timing him, he's running out there, yep, double tapping ping ping pow pow. Pew, 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 pew. Yep. I remember. There is one for Halle Berry too, Ross. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. And that's for this movie, too. Yeah, I wondered, um, if there was some kind of video floating around just because the way that she was conducting herself in the film, I was thinking, yeah, I'll bet you she probably went through the same type of training process that Keanu has gone through. And it's funny because I watched those videos quite a few times, and then when I watched the movie, it looked like they were at the same training yard, only they were actually cap and fools. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was over a little too quick, Ross. I wanted to... Really? I wanted to, you know, to take my time with Johnny, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I understand. But, no, it was it was good. The time went by fast. Um, Keanu was still got it. I, I know his voice is, is getting a little raspy, though, right? <coughs> you know, I wasn't sure if that was age? him or, yeah, like, age or... Or it, cigarettes. Or maybe it was <laughs> just he was, he was, like, channeling more of his character. More of a, mm. a grisly character. hmm The man has been punched, kicked, stabbed, shot Hmm. an awful lot, Steve. Often. Hmm. I mean, uh, some of those will inevitably reach kind of the vocal cord area. It is Hmm. possible, Hmm. however unlikely, that it could um, have some sort of a gravelly effect on the voice. Right. Yes, indeed. But I thought there would... So the action was... awesome. I mean, it's a great third movie. Mm -hmm. it does not disappoint. Ah. I thought there would be, you know, this might sound kind of funny and probably stupid, to be honest, but I thought there would be a wider variety of guns. I concur. I really do. Not that what they used was bad, per se, but I thought there'd be a wider assortment. The sound for each gun was Mm. very good. Was it anybody good? Yeah, I, uh, I felt it sit in my chair. Well, either that was someone was kicking me every sundi. <laughs> <with> <sighs> Anyhow. What did you think of it? I enjoyed it. I think it's a really fun action movie. I've always been a big fan of the John Wick series, and uh, this film does not Right, it. Yeah. A lot of people have been fans of the John Wick series. That movie what didn't get the the hype but people watched it and they flocked to it. They loved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm kind of glad they didn't, they didn't spend over an, an amount of money to market this thing so they didn't have to. No, exactly. It has more of that cult following, that underground right. feel, which is great. I always appreciate a film series that begins to garner that kind of fandom where they don't have to spend tons and tons of money on marketing. It's like the, it just kind of establishes its own reputation and people will just go and see it because they trust in the the filmmakers. So, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I think if if there are folks out there who are looking for a good kind of kung fu weapons based uh, action movie that really is not cheesy at all, uh, it's actually um, it caused me to hoop and holler in the theater uh, a number of times just yeah. because of the brutality. Uh, on display, But you can't go and just watch this one. That's what's going to, you know, you have to have seen the other two movies. Because if you just yes. walk in there and, and feel like, uh, you know, I'm just going to watch the third one. yeah, It's just going to be a bunch of action and you're not going to know what's what, Russ. I, I know what you mean, Steve. I know what you mean. Well, let's just uh, make our way into the spoiler elevator here. Did you bring any weapons with you, Steve? Only the kind I can tuck down my pants. Yeah, I know what you mean. I have this knife and that knife. I have my switchblade. My, uh... I don't even know what kind of knife this is. It's just huge. Yeah, you know, there's no energy blasters on no. this one, Russ. No. No no, my, uh, no gauntlets, no, uh, no power stones. I think if I had to choose, I would probably use the old Sig Sauer. Maybe a Benelli M4 Tactical. Russ, I think you'd go Revolver. I think you'd go Revolver Alcelot. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid style. Reaching back the hammer. Pow, 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 pow And then like spitting the, the magazine, dumping the rounds, loading them back up. Well, see, I wouldn't do that just because I think I'd get too into just having fun listening to the sound of just, like, making the the revolver (laughs) actually spin next to my ear over and over and over. You know what you should get? (laughs) The (laughs) bad guys are like, what's he doing? Yeah. He's taunting us. I'm telling you, this is like packing bubble tape. If I can find a fidget spinner it's just that, you spinning the the, the magazine and the revolver, that'll be your fidget spinner. Oh, good. I... I like the way you think. There you go. I think that works out nicely. Well, judging from uh, this particular floor with all the dead bodies, I'd say we're at the right place. (laughs) Reeks in here. (laughs) It's weird. You could tell a lot of people use body axe spray, but unfortunately it's mixed with uh, a lot of internal, inside uh, things. Yeah. This is the spoiler version of, or spoiler portion, I guess you could say. That's a little bit more appropriate, no. don't you think? Um, uh, so let's, huh? the, the spoiler portion of the dinner plate, Russ? The, the, the spoiler of the spoiled that surrounds us. So let's get into casting crew. Um, obviously, Keanu Reeves is back, which is terrific. Um, him playing John Wick. I um, really do love the fact that the guy, he's in his 50s. Hmm. And he still holds his own. Yeah. he's Slowing down a little bit though. He's slowing down a little bit, but I, you know what? I actually like that. I actually like watching him in that type of capacity just because I don't know, like, like it plays into his character. Well, just because like I, as I was saying earlier, I mean, the guy has been in so many fights. Like I don't care who you are. Like you're going to have lingering, kind of uh, wounds or, like, your body doesn't move as limber as it once did when you were in your 20s starting out. Does he do his own stunts? I believe he does most of his own stunts. I mean, I in know he fact, does all the fighting and stuff, but... Yeah, Yeah, a lot of... Yeah, just about all the stunts that you, that you see him do, I mean, he tends to do his own, which I think... That has been a growing trend lately. Like we were talking about that with Mission Impossible when Tom Cruise was, I mean, he literally did every single stunt that was in Mission Impossible Fallout, which was just a nail biter of a show because we knew that there w- there wasn't any kind of CG or, or stunt double. It was literally Tom Cruise uh, doing all of his own stunts. That's earning your paycheck right there.
1: Exactly. What'd you think of Halle
0: Berry in this film? Uh, I liked Halle Berry in, in this film yeah. and I like Halle Berry's dogs. Halle Berry's dogs, I think, were like the one of the highlights of the film. Yeah, so they they were CG though. I mean, not the whole, not all the way through, but portions of the action sequence. To me, it seemed like it was either filmed like like widescreen kind of film, or the dogs were CG because it seemed like they were moving and stretching a little bit too much. Might have been just me. I don't know. I don't think so. I th- I think those were actually trained dogs. Um, I think the only scene that like, like there was a scene where that I can't remember who the the character's name is, but like the guy who shoots the dog. Yeah, that was clearly CG because obviously you can't go shooting right. a dog. That would be called animal cruelty. By the way, I thought she only had two dogs. She does. But one got shot. Well, it got shot, but if you noticed when she was um kind of mourning over the dog, she realized that the bullet had hit the dog's vest and the vest was bulletproof. That's what she did. So she showed him that that's what she had showed Keanu Reeves that the bullet would like like had hit the vest. She discovered it, and then she looks to Keanu to make sure he sees it, too, that the dog is actually okay. But at that point, it's not just, oh, hey, my dog is okay. It's, he's going to pay for that. And that's why Keanu was like, no, don't do it. Because I thought he shot that thing in the head. No, no, no. <clears throat> I think we were led to believe mm. that was the case. Mm. Maybe opened up a ketchup packet when we didn't see it, and she sprayed it on him. Yeah, that was one of the things, too. Like, there wasn't any blood. It was just the dog just hitting the the ground real violently. But, uh, no, I thought in terms of Halle Berry's performance, I thought she worked really nicely in the world of John Wick. I was a little surprised as to how she just kind of departed in the movie. And, um, of course, actually, I really did like how... She owed him a blood debt, just like how we discovered in John Wick chapter two. Um, the whole notion of like if you do that, like you owe that person, period, like you cannot get out of it. And um, and so it was cool that like he had one as well with her, and that tied in really nicely. And um, I, I gotta say, I think that the whole guard dog thing was it was so fresh to see that in uh, a world like John Wick, where like oftentimes we will see these just amazing feats of of martial arts and and, uh, weapon fighting and that sort of thing. But really, I mean, dogs, they fit really well, and especially considering how like we've seen other dogs in the past. And of course, dogs in uh, John Wick are a reoccurring theme, of course, watching how John himself, you know, he had a dog that was given to his wife. given given to his wife given by his wife given to him from his wife how about that and then of course he goes and gets another dog out of the pound and so there there is this reoccurring theme with that i just really liked it i thought that it works really well with her particular character and especially given the the background of what she um just as doing in this world I think I just I really enjoyed it every time like that there was there was some sort of like dog attack I was like dude that that is pretty sweet that's pretty satisfying to like see that dynamic in the, the the fighting world that sort of thing yeah when you're fighting <laughs> these assassins are used to fighting each other and dodging bullets but not. Dodging German Shepherds. Yeah. Well, in me, I mean, you know, I'm a I huge know. German Shepherd fan. I absolutely love German Shepherds. I hope to um, actually have a couple um, in the not too distant future. And of course, watching this movie, I just want them even more. Um, so yeah, no, it was really fun. I hope that perhaps uh, we get to see Halle Berry's character again in, in a future installment of John Wick, just because I think that there is more history that's worth exploring and seeing. And again, this we'll get more into this as we get into plot, but I just, I like the idea of having more and more of these characters be introduced, so. Now, Lawrence Fishburne. What do you think of Lawrence? You know, I, I was glad to see him back. Uh, you know, it, I... I, I like seeing Lawrence Fishburne and John Wick. I think he be- he's definitely a, someone who belongs in this series. Right. Although I thought his character his character dialogue wasn't written as well in this one. <clears throat> perhaps I don't know. Not a, not as good as John Wick uh, Two. Well, they've they've written his character to be almost kind of more of a, uh, a flamboyant like just with the words character. You know, like like just a lot more snarky, a lot more, um, street smart, um, inner city, uh, you know, that there, there is a lot of that. And, um, I think that, that people like you and I, we of course loved him as Morpheus in the matrix. And he, he played that role so well that when you see him in a role like this, it's like, wow, like, like it's, it's a little difficult for me to, to kind of accept Especially considering that it's both Lawrence and Keanu in the same movie together. Like you, like you're just you're almost kind of yearning that they'll go back to those roles again because uh, they were so they were such natural fits for that. But plus he was kicking butt in Matrix one. So that's was. always a good thing. It was a pleasure to watch him whoop that ass. <laughs> but anyway, you, you thought he was good uh, in this film? Yeah, I mean he he was fine. I he he didn't. Uh, I like I said, I was glad to see him there. I didn't think he stood out as well as he did in the second one. I mean he his character was introduced in the second one, but yeah. Um, I I kind of wanted to see more of him in this movie, or more of like his character fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like they were kind of rehashing a bit of from the, the second film, which I get because the people who haven't seen the, the second one. They're looking at the third one. But yeah, I wanted to, to see more of it. But at the same time, you know, I'm conflicted because there was a lot more new story to tell. So it's like, OK, do we want to keep right. working with this character or not? And again, this plays into the idea that if they were to make like 12 John Wicks, it'd be fantastic to be able to flirt with like ping-ponging between different characters here and there. Maybe you don't see a character for like two movies, and all of a sudden he's back and <laughs> you learn even more about him and stuff. I mean, that, I think that'd, that'd be pretty sweet. Ian McShane, of course, he plays the manager. Yes. And he never disappoints. I think he he is a perfect fit for this role for all three of these John Wick movies. What, what do you think? Yeah, no, he's he's definitely he's, he's awesome. You know who, who is even better though, I think is like the, his assistant who's like the desk clerk yes he is awesome and I'm glad they used him more in this uh you know even w- simple things with him holding the door open for the dog and like motioning for the dog to come in uh, and then you know he, we saw him uh, take up arms and defend this hotel yes. and uh, never lost a bit of class throughout and I I'm I'm I was a bit thinking that, oh, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. Great. They're going to kill him. And they didn't. So yes. I was like, thank goodness. Yes, totally agree. Uh, the actor, Lance Reddick, um, I've always been a fan of his work. And, of course, he's another person who just, his character he, he just fits so well into this movie. And uh, I'm like you. I totally was thrilled to, like, see them flesh out his character more than just, oh, he. Just mans the 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 front desk and he makes phone calls, which is fine. But like, I mean, you saw how fiercely loyal he is to um, his boss, which right. is the the manager. Um, like you were saying too, I mean, just just watching him actually get to have some play with the firearms and like, one of the, my favorite scenes from the movie actually was when they were in the middle of the firefight and he had to reload his shotgun. If you notice, his hands were trembling and i really like that because you could tell i mean he's not someone who is like some sort of trained assassin this is something that i think the character has had some formal training right, some in practice with it, yeah as a, as like a security thing for the hotel but like he's not used to doing this sort of thing and so, so it's the little touches like that that i really appreciate because a film such as this runs the risk of becoming one-dimensional if everybody's just like a cold-blooded right. killer. Like, you have to have some semblance of humanity in there, and I thought that was just a, a really nice touch for, for his character. You know what they they left out, though? In the last two movies, they when, when John had to go get uh, weapons he was introduced to like a plate of either wine or sure. uh, food. And it was the, the, the courses were describing basically the firearms and the weapons that he was going to get, which was awesome. Yeah. Of course, they didn't really have time to, to do that because they're kind of a bit of a rush. They're being attacked. Yeah. But I thought that, uh, that this other character was going to uh, have his own verbiage <laughs> for the firearms that he would... Wa- because he did select a few. To give John. Yeah. Um, but I thought they were going to have some, some more exchange about how and why he was selecting the guns that he was. You know, I actually really liked how they handled that in particular because again, in the world of John Wick, it's not limited to being just in like New York city. It's a worldwide enterprise. You have this international presence. And so naturally, depending on which country you go to, there is going to be a different type of experience when it comes to those types of things. Like it, you know, in, in chapter two, I loved how we got a glimpse into that side of things where he was in Italy, right? He's, he's in Rome and he's um, getting tailored fit with these suits that are like tactical, oriented and like going and like you were talking about talking to a gunsmith who is more of a, um, high class refined, uh, weaponsmith of sorts. And so their wordsmithing and, and the way that they, Present Something things for dessert. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sort of thing. I, I really love the wordplay of that, but at the same time in this particular film, when obviously um, time was not on their side, but they still need to be informed of things. Like for instance, um the, uh I can't remember. I think his name is like Sharon is, is the character name, but it's, it's the, the front desk guy. He was quickly, telling john he's like these are the bullets that you need to go for you know things have changed this is what you need to do you know like it was much more literally like it reminded me of what it would be like to be at the gun range where like you don't have necessarily all this time in the world to be just oh you know let's just talk whatever it's like you know it's very straight to the point if you want this type of um reaction or this type of of result you need to have this type of weaponry for whatever you know i don't know i just i really liked how once again it fleshed out more of his character because i don't believe we've seen him in that type of capacity where he's educating john on some of the firearms yeah i know we haven't now of course there was a new character called the um uh was it adjudicator right yeah she was yeah now, I thought that her role was interesting as well because she wasn't the type of character that actually got into physical fights. She's like she was representing the high table. She yeah. was kind of the the messenger of misery kind of thing where, like her weapon, really, was um the rules, the 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 rule set that everybody lived by. And if anybody were to say no to her, then she had the power to be able to make a phone call and have. Some real consequences come in, and she wielded. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. This is not a very good comparison, but it, but one of the things that that popped in my head was the mouth of Sauron, where it's like you have someone who, you know, represents this powerful entity, and depending on on how you answer the questions and that sort of thing they will pass some kind of judgment or whatever it is i feel like that's kind of how she is where she doesn't need guns or kung fu or that. i mean literally it's just you know if if someone were to mess with her then they would not have any kind of mercy sentencing whatsoever like the high table would then just See to that person is snuffed out immediately. I thought she was miscast though. I mean, she looked like she was a bad guy, which is fine, but I I would think they would pick somebody who looks a little more high class because in the la- and pretty in the last two films every like assassin or person that we come into contact with it has a sense of smarts and a sense of class and uh-huh. edu- na, not maybe education is the wrong word, but there's definitely a different feel to them. This person just looked evil. This person looked like a bad, bad guy. Well, she struck me as being hard. She she was had a, a harshness to her, which I think, in my opinion, I think it, it lent itself to the character that she was playing, where she's all business. And the type of business that she's in, too. I mean, this is you have to remember, this is an underground, illegal activity kind of thing where she's dealing no. with um, well, I mean, it, the reason I say that is because oftentimes it's easy to kind of get caught up in like, well, she's just trying to uphold the rules. It's like, well, yeah, but it's not like it it's in like a courtroom setting. It's like that she's in these seedy underground kind of places. And um I think even with chapter two, I remember when John Wick had to go uh, kill the guy's sister as like the the blood oath or whatever it was. and and um she was very pretty. Uh-huh. She was not hard or anything like that, even though she was um, being promoted to the high table itself. And I think that's what I really love about this world is that they have a nice variety of different types of characters that you come into contact with. And I'm really glad too, that that they um, didn't have her meet uh, any kind of demise in this film. And I think that that's one of the things that, that I also really like about this film as well is that, there are several characters that will live on to see future sequels of the film if they decide to make them. Yeah, and they left that door open, didn't they? They did indeed. Let's go into plot since we're already kind of skimping around the edges here. <laughs> um, what would you think uh, overall of, of just how they approached John Wick 3 from a story perspective? From a story, Well, there wasn't much of a story. I mean, it was mostly just action. Uh, but, you know, it's a third movie, so and this kind of a film, then that you kind of have to expect that with a third movie. Uh, but it moved along. I mean, it kept it all together. The one part that I felt it kind of started to, to stumble a bit was where he had to kind of trek through the desert to find somebody else at the high table to reestablish his reputation. And... I don't know. It just seemed kind of misplaced. He, there's this, I was a little surprised by that too. Yeah. There's a bunch. I mean, there's like a, an Arab prince with no technology and like no communication to New York really. And he, you know, I, to me, it just didn't really make any sense. <coughs> yeah. I can, uh, I could see his character being perhaps um, a bit more of like a member of the high table just because in those types of roles, like you could see how like they would have lots of money and they could um, buy influence, that sort of thing. But yeah, I thought it was, it, it didn't quite work for me in terms of him having to just walk out in the, the desert somewhere. And then he gets picked up and brought before the guy. And to me, the, the world of John wick, even though it's an international world, I mean, like it strikes me as having more of its roots somewhere in Europe. That's kind of my feeling of it. Well, also too, I mean, he so that he they reestablished his reputation as an assassin. Like he's back in now. As long as he does this one deed, he's back in. But they never said anything about you have to survive. You know, still being killed through it with everyone alive in New York. Yeah. Um. So he gets back in, and I figured that would be his way. To. Uh, get back with uh, the manager of the hotel, and then he would change his mind. Then, but that, but doing so would make him um, uh, not prone to be killed by all these other assassins who wanted to collect the bounty. Right. But when he arrived, the bounty was still on his head. It's like nothing had really changed anyway. I was very confused about that as well. I was, you know, when when he after he had done that really painful thing of like chopping his own finger off, it just looked brutal. He went into that other portion of the tent, which had some sort of like nice new suit for him. And if you notice, it had some kind of like gold filigree around the the inner part of the collar and stuff. And like, I when I saw that, I interpreted the outfit as kind of like a, an unspoken, universally understood thing that whoever wears this is to be untouchable because they are carrying out a special mission for. I don't even know what the the title is, but the person who's above the high table. Um, but anyway, like, the, yeah, I, I was the same way where I was thinking, why are why are people still attacking John Wick when he returns? Because that, that was my interpretation of what was going on, and, and especially with someone of that kind of power. He could have made a phone call saying no one is to touch this person because they're carrying out a special mission for me. Okay, cool. That happened. Because then one of the things I was a little confused, this was like actually one of the, the flaws of the film for me personally was it didn't make sense to me why he went all the way out there to talk to this guy only to have him say, you have to go back and kill the manager who you probably have a relationship with. And so then he has to go all the way back, in which case the manager is already expecting John Wick to be there. I'm thinking, man, like you lost your finger over that? Like you weren't even... You know, at the, at the end of all things, like you ended up not killing the guy anyway, but you could have kept your ring finger and not gone out in the <laughs> middle of the desert and just stayed in New York with the idea that hey, I'm gonna be loyal to this guy who's the manager. I, I don't know, like, I, I feel yeah. like that part of the movie probably could have been a little more thought out, yeah. Well, plus, then you had um, everyone that he has uh, or excuse me, John has come into contact with who's kind of give him little tidbits here and there, like right. you know, um. Seven rounds and a and a you know magnum, or when he brought his ticket to like what was that the Russian sort of uh, yeah. assassins, Russian and, ballet thing, yeah. yeah, and everything was supposed to fit in the rules, and then oh now the rules don't apply anymore, and therefore there's punishment, and so yeah, there was that whole toss up. I don't know. Hmm. Moving a little bit over to uh, the fighting itself. Uh, there were several fight scenes in here that were just so fun to watch. When you at the whole time, I, I felt myself just kind of grimacing, thinking, "Oh, this is not going to end well." But I mean, the the fight with the the real tall guy in the library that was was just crazy. And then the the scene where he's in some I don't know where like he was in some sort of like museum or something. But like they had all those knives on display and. <laughs> just watching these knives go all over the place. Um, even the body armor I thought was really cool toward the end when you had that, that unit go in and and you, you're so used at this point to just having him wherever he shoots, he, he kills a guy or whatever and for them to have the kind of body armor that they had that really introduced a new kind of perspective on things of like, wow, yeah, he's going to have to really get even more personal with trying off these guys and I like too how they were kind of um. Thor to the point where they had to go back, get the shotguns, go back out again. Um, yeah, what did you, you think of, of uh, the various fight scenes? You know, I I thought they were gonna they were gonna use that differently. Um, I thought they were gonna either have different kinds of weapons or that John Wick was gonna be friends some of those ninjas and there was gonna be you know close to close co- close to close. Hand to hand, you know, close combat, right? With knives versus guns, and uh, maybe their, you know, their katanas or whatever were so sharp <laughs> it is going to cut right through that body armor. Who knows? I don't know, but uh, anyway, yeah. I know the fight scenes were just amazing. They were throwing and punching and kicking and doing everything they they could, <laughs> you know, <laughs> biting. Um, yeah. You know, one thing that that stood out to me also was. That some of these assassins really looked up to John Wick because yes. he was he was the man. He's the ghost. His He's... reputation right. proceeds. right. And so, uh, one of my favorite scenes was when he was fighting those two ninjas who were yeah younger and uh, could have easily overpowered him. And so they said, you know, you're like, okay, you know, let's make this a fair fight. Okay, we put down our uh-huh. knives. And I mean, we're fighting John Wick here. This is awesome. And so I think that happened twice and they they had a ton of opportunities just to uh, slice yeah. and dice make julian fries out of them and then john wick gets the upper hand with with uh all the the moves uh-huh. and so then he uh spares their life and right. says, and what did he say at the end he says uh um like until another time or something i think or, it says something like we'll see you soon <coughs> something like that i th- i think that's what it, what it was but yeah it, it was again, i'm and I'm glad that they did that because um all throughout the three films, there have been these moments of respect, right? Like professional courtesy, I think is what they call it. And I really like that. I think that that is um unique to this particular world where you don't have to off every single person you come across. and to to your point, I really liked how, um you know, they, they helped him back up after like I mean they could have totally taken right. him out and then yeah. and he's kinda of looking at them all confused and like and they were like, No, no, take our hand, you know, and pull him up and let him dust himself off and try round two, you know, and same kind of thing happened again. He gets up. I, I started laughing when like he got up the second time, and they're looking at him. And He's like, he kind of puts his hands up, like, okay, just give me a second. <laughs> he like, and then they just let him like kind of recompose himself, and they go for round three. Yeah, he has been retired for five years. Let's, you know. Yeah, it. and I liked how they weren't making fun of him either. <clears> I mean, they were they were just kind of like, I thought he was faster. Like, what what's going on? You know. And um, so yeah, that, I thought that that yeah that was definitely one of my my favorite scenes as well. I just realized that we have not talked about Mark Dacascus who played Zero, the assassin that we saw quite a bit. He was the, the bald Asian right. assassin guy. His character was a bit confusing to me. I liked how they introduced him, but at the same time, like we for there were large swaths of the film where like we really didn't see him at all. And then, like, there were scenes where, like, suddenly his accent changed from it being something like, oh, maybe he's first-generation American or something like that right. to just having a full-on Western accent. Yeah. And there were moments where, like, he was trying to off John Wick, but at the same time he was a big fan of his. And, like, I don't know. I, I, f- I liked the actor. I liked what they were doing with it. I love the fight scene that they had together but I just feel as though the character was a bit fragmented in terms of its presentation. We're like, I, I didn't know who, like, how to place him in the world. Like I knew he was an assassin. I knew he was loyal to the high table, but at the same time it was like, how do you, where do you fit in all? Obviously like you, you're someone who you, you have command over these other ninjas and that sort of thing. And that's really cool. It's obvious that you guys are no one to be trifled with. But at the same time, I'm just what is your motivation? What exactly are you doing? Like, what how does this all work out? Another scene actually that I really liked too was uh, when John was making his way to the Continental and they both fall off their motorcycles and he's about to take them out and he puts his hand on the step. And then you have the guy from the front desk like just absolutely shut it down saying, you will not do anything while he is at the Continental since his hand is touching the stair. Yeah. And how the guy, I loved how the guy was just like, but he's excommunicado. He's like, and you will be too if you pull the trigger. I I just loved how there was was a sudden massive shift of power with that because once again, that goes back to the idea of the rules set that they have. I just love all that. (laughs) I get a kick out of it. What were you going to say, Steve? I just remembered. You just remembered. We were talking about what our predictions were going to be with John Wick. And I said, they better have John Leguizamo. I remember this. And he went in there. He was not. But you know what? <coughs> I think that's okay. I think Whatever. that, again, it goes back to the comment I made earlier about how they have done a really nice job fleshing out the world of John Wick. I love how... If they continue doing what they're doing with this and we get, like, say, 12 John Wick's, it's going to be fantastic to be able to pull and push certain characters. You'll pull certain ones out for like a movie or two, then push them back in again because it, it's creating this organic ecosystem that the, all these characters can live in. It's almost as if, you know, when you watch the Avengers movies, every time you see that, like you're going to have probably 99% of the Avengers characters be in that film. And that's fine. It works for that movie. However, when it comes to a world like John Wick, I mean, imagine having a cast that has grown to the size of like the Avengers, for instance, where you have like say 30 different actors, but they don't all have to be in every single John Wick movie. And I think that lends itself really well to kind of the, the, the assassins world, how like, you have this underbelly of of how things are working and, and things are going on. There's a network in place. So, and then, and also, too, like if they really want to have fun with it, you could even have changes of, of allegiance, you know, having some, certain people who are loyal to this faction up until a certain point where all of a sudden, Things aren't adding up the way they should, and then suddenly there's like a changeup of things, you know, on an about face or a double agent or whatever it is. And there's a lot that you can play with. It's a it's a very tantalizing sandbox, Steve. <laughs> One of my other favorite aspects of the film was the cinematography. I absolutely yeah. loved how every scene was lit. I loved the color palette of every single shot. And I love the length of the shot. Yes. Yes, all of it. it. It was a feast for the eyes. And and it's very John Wick. That's what I like too. Is like in John Wick chapter one, you could tell they were starting to kind of find their their overall look, their overall cinematic look. In chapter two, they had found it. And chapter three, they expanded upon it. Yeah. So it, it was definitely just a uh, Man. It was a lot of fun. Oops, sorry about that. Anyway. Just yeah, overall was just a lot of fun. Now, I I do have a few items of movie trivia courtesy of IMDB studio. Tell me, Russ. So the title parabellum comes from the Latin phrase, and I'm gonna see if I can say this correctly. Civis Pacum Parabellum, which means if you want peace, prepare for war. No, it is also an alternate name for the ubiquitous. Ubiquitous, excuse me. Hmm. Nine millimeter handgun cartridge, otherwise known as the nine millimeter parabellum. Hmm. There you go. Lots well, of poetic justice. Nice. Right it's like they did some research on it. Now, the quote that Kenner said where he said, Guns, guns, lots of guns, lots of guns. That is the same line <laughs> used by Neo in The Matrix if you recall. I do recall. Mm, where all those, that is such a cool scene too, The yeah, Matrix, when yeah. the, the gun racks all of a sudden just come in. They're <laughs> so fast. <fascinating. laughs> Blow Trinity's hair side. Uh-huh, yep. Yeah. Trench coats mm-hmm. are blown too. And that's when he had a lot of different guns too. He had Uzis, he had saw rifles, shotties. I must he say. guns. You really have a good point about that. I wanted to see more weaponry in more. this. This, I mean, we saw tons of different knives, which was yes. a lot of fun. When it came to the old firearms, though, I was wanting to yeah. see a bit more. Yep. I don't know. Yep. Just, this kind of movie, uh, that's, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, a little bit disappointing. Not not, not, not going to tarnish the movie by chance, but uh, by now, you expect a little bit more. When shooting in Morocco, the set was besieged by hundreds of stray cats. According to Chad uh, Staliski. the crew had to build literal walls of cages to house them and, more importantly, to keep them from distracting the dogs featured in the scene. Nice. I had no idea there were that many cats in Morocco. Stray cats. Man, it must be a lot of rats. (laughs) This film reunites former Matrix cast of Keanu Reeves, Laurence Fishburne, Tiger Hu Chin, and Randall Duke Kim, who was the key maker. I knew that was uh-huh. him. <laughs> I had a feeling, too, was like, Man, this, this is something very familiar about all yeah. this. John Wick, trilogy director, uh, Chad Silicki, also served as the martial arts stunt coordinator for the Matrix trilogy, as well as Keanu Reeves' stunt double, which I think we've talked about in the past. I've, I've uh, always really enjoyed how they have continued their professional working relationship. Yes. And finally, Halle Berry broke three ribs while filming what? the movie. Well, hey doing her own stunts apparently absolutely. So in conclusion Steve, uh, what did you think of the film and how many stars do you give it? Well Russ, I uh, you know I, I like the movie a lot. I would I would give it three and a half stars. And I don't think it's quite to a four but it's definitely worth seeing in the theater. Uh, it's definitely worth picking up if you're if you're gaining all the, the John Wick movies. Uh, I wanted to see, you know, like we just talked about, a lot more uh, firearms, which I didn't see. We saw the dogs, which was a nice um, addition to it, which by the third movie, they need to bring some new factors in there, which was good. Halle Berry was good. Uh, I liked all the cast and crew, except for uh, the, the, nemesis. the I, nemesis. I I just thought she was the, the, the antagonist, the enemy, the bad girl. Oh, the, the, the adjudicator? Uh, the adjudicator, the one, uh, <laughs> the, the neck-tatted chick. Mm-hmm by the way in the in the operator room it's like to to qualify for a position you have to be female you have to have piercings and you have to have <laughs> like a a buttload of tattoos now, actually, the female portion is, is not accurate because if you, if you uh, notice, there was a male in there. Was there a male in there? There was indeed. Man. Robin Lord Taylor, who plays the penguin in the Gotham TV show, interesting. made a cameo in there where he was talking on the phone and doing mm. some stuff. So I was like, oh. Um, I actually, yeah, it, it, it is interesting how they've decided to to have that office be like that which (laughs) and an expert with analog equipment (laughs) i just think it's the what russ i'm trying to figure out like a good way to describe it i actually buy into it because it's almost a cult-like mentality because you're once again they live in the seedy underbelly underworld kind of place and if you noticed, even even with John Wick, I mean, he has very specific tattoos as well. And it's almost like a calling card or a visual indicator of ownership. It kind of reminds me of even the Blade uh, series of movies where, like, the the familiars or whatever they were called, you know, like, they, they had certain tattoos that represented, like, which vampire faction they were with. And so that way, um, no one got in trouble or whatever, you know, like, if... They found themselves in a pickle. It's a gang symbol. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> is what it is. But, like, in this case, I, I do think it worked out um, in, in its own way. And it kind of. It This whole movie is kind of a distant relative, I feel like, to The Matrix. You know, The Matrix didn't necessarily have the tattoos, but it definitely, the two shared a lot of the, the same type of cinematography and the architecture, the buildings that they were in, some of the outfits that they dressed in. You know, they were always sharply dressed in their suits and stuff. Martial arts, of course. There were just one, I don't know. The, the, I'm not saying it's that they're, they're the same by any stretch, but there is a very similar era of familiarity, which I like. I'm like, okay, cool. This is, this is definitely, I'm digging this. I, I like this. Uh, d- did you have anything else about the conclusion? I, I realized I started nerding out. On yeah. What you were saying. I um, am sorry, Steve. Speaking of derailment, uh, let me see <laughs> here. So yeah, you know, so the, there are some, some drawbacks right? you know, the third act was, was pretty slow and confusing. Um, then the, the fourth act was, Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I was hoopling and hollering. It's an action flick from start to finish. I loved how it was filmed. I think that uh, come award time, if it doesn't get a movie for best action flick, or at least I'm nominated for a cinematography, it definitely needs to be nominated for cinematography. Agreed. Then Then um, I might have to write the Academy myself. You say, should hey, do What's going on over here? Put my foot down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my foot in your face. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it, Rob. That's about all you had. Well, in, in my case, I really enjoyed the movie as well. I thought it was just a fun popcorn action flick. I always like watching a good martial arts movie. It's really fun to be able to see a film like this. That's kind of placed more in like a modern contemporary setting as opposed to a like ancient, feudal Japan setting, which don't get me wrong, I like those as well, but it's, there's something about seeing a man in a $1,000 suit lay down the can of whoop-ass. It's just very satisfying. I also um, I really enjoyed the dog component. I thought that was super cool. Um, I thought that, that Halle Berry also being in it, I want to see more of her character get fleshed out. Hopefully she'll make a return at some point. And I actually liked um, some of the the different characters that we have grown to love and look forward to seeing actually get more screen time in terms of developing their their characters. And I'm also really glad that they have allowed a substantial amount of characters to survive, how they're not offing everybody left and right. So it it is going to be nice to be able to see how these relationships develop. Um, I, when it came to zero, I thought he was, he was an interesting character. I wanted to find out a bit more about his motivation. Like I said, unfortunately, that's just not going to happen because he died at the end, but I did like, I actually liked his death. I thought it was fun how he, he was just a, a tough nut to crack. And, yeah. and I just, I don't know. I, I really liked, uh, their, their particular, <clears throat> excuse me, fight scene as well. I think I'm going to be with you, Steve. I think I'm going to give it three and a half stars. There you go. I think I am still very much invested in this world. I I am. I'm very much looking forward to seeing more sequels. I hope they make more. And they need to do it fast just because Keanu Reeves being in his 50s, he's not going to be able to continue doing this type of thing forever. I mean, I'd say he probably has another good 10 years or so. But here's where the rubber meets the road, Steve. I think and I've said this before on this program, I think that there is massive potential for them to be able, if they're smart, they're going to create additional assassin type of characters that then we can follow their particular character arcs and journeys and see what happens. Don't make it so that it's completely dependent upon Keanu Reeves being front and center all the time. I could easily see it where like, There is some kind of uh, fitting death or maybe he's able to actually officially retire out or something to that effect. And by that time, they have created and built up all these other characters that the world itself actually becomes more of the main character in the movie. Unless Disney buys it and then um, and then yeah (laughs) they'll face Keanu Reeves out no problem someone else will step in and they'll milk that franchise for all it's worth exactly well on that note that wraps up this episode of Joygasm make sure you tune in next week thanks for hanging out with us if you enjoyed this episode we invite you to check out patreon.com slash Joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor you'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do also you can follow us on social media and YouTube just do a search for joygasm tv in addition to itunes and android you can listen to our podcast on tune radio stitcher spotify and soundcloud.com joygasm tv last but not least search joygasm tv on twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every wednesday night at 9 30 p.m central time we'll see you next week goodbye